Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Thursday, June 17th. Things are getting interesting now on the fight to vote. Getting very interesting nationally in the Congress, which is what we're pushing for on our push, push for the people, the work that we're doing around advocacy right now. I want to talk about how things are getting interesting and just encourage everybody to keep pushing for the people, keep contacting senators, keep calling as part of our phone banks. This matters. It makes a difference. Um, so there are many steps always that unfold when legislation is being considered or proposed. The legislation that we're interested in right now is two pieces um, in the federal Congress. The first is the For the People Act, which has passed the United States House of Representatives in March and is now about to be introduced in the U.S. Senate. And then the second is the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, which has not been written up yet, will be coming this fall. It is a piece of legislation that the uh, Democrats are trying to make as strong as possible before they introduce it into the Congress. We will push for both of these. We are pushing for S1 right now. We will push for HR4, the John Lewis Act, when it comes. So on S1, passed the House back in March, it did not get out of the, the, the Rules Committee in the Senate, um, which means that the vote to support the bill coming to the floor in the Senate was evenly split because it was completely a party line vote. Uh, I believe 12 on each side, Republicans and Democrats and the rules committee. Um, so you need a positive vote come to get a bill out of the, the committee to the floor. Uh, otherwise you have to go through other steps to get a bill to the floor. It can come to the floor for open debate through other steps. The majority leader can create other maneuvers and Chuck Schumer has started those other maneuvers. He started them last night, uh, Wednesday evening. He started them and the, I don't exactly know it, but what you do is you create a, a new bill and you put it, it's like a shell. The bill is a shell and then you drop into that shell the materials, the items that were in the committee bill that didn't get supported and you drop it in there and you can just go directly to the floor without bringing it through a, a committee in these rare instances. Um, so it's not that important that we know exactly how that works, just that we do know it can be done. And Schumer has started it. Um, so it's gonna come to the floor in some form, probably Monday, okay? Um, this is gonna be the very first time that we have discussed um, in the U.S. Senate, the voting rights, uh, kind of voting rights advancements and protections in uh, years at least, perhaps decades, okay? Um, so that's, that's good because you're moving from no discussion at all to potential discussion. That's a very good development. And I'm glad that Schumer's doing this, that he's committed to doing it. The only way this can be done is because the Democrats have this majority the, with the tie-breaking vote of the vice president in the Senate. Uh, 
So getting power and more people of influence in elected office does matter. Um, there was a great article on this organization called Data for Progress um, in the New York Times over the weekend. And Data for Progress is this is a left, very progressive organization that does polling on policies of uh, progressives. And then it presents the poll data to Democrats and shows them how popular a bunch of policies are. And they over and over and over again push Democrats to adopt progressive policies by showing them how popular these items are. And there is some controversy in the progressive community about whether we should be using popularity of items as a motivating principle for passing policies. There's definitely a sentiment among some that, that uh, you know, that's not the arguments we should be making. We should be making arguments that are about the ethics of the bills. Um, and I, I wholeheartedly support voting for the right things. But this is politics. And we need to, we need to convince elected officials to adopt them. And the more uh, tools we can use to persuade them, I'm all for it. And the reason I bring this up is because the founder of Data for Progress um, has been a staunch, staunch progressive, progressive, has worked far, uh, like for Bernie Sanders and others for some time. Um, but he's taken a lot of criticism for using his polling data to try to convince Democrats to adopt these progressive positions. And his response is, I believe it is a moral um, necessity to get people elected who can then do good things. And he, he said it, I think, specifically, I believe it's a moral necessity to win. Because you can't pass progressive policies unless you win. All right, so I'm with that all the way. Like, that's part of what we work for. We work for our community and our teams in CP, and we also work to get people elected. And we're not going to get it all the time. That's for sure. But we're going to try. So... Uh, getting people into the Senate, enough of them to have a majority allows us to have a discussion of this for the people act in the Senate. That's really good. It's happening. It's going to happen. We're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing to make it, uh, to keep, to make this so, and then to have them have the conversation. The second really important development is that Joe Manchin has, uh, has been, uh, a supporter of H of S1 in the past, but he about a couple months ago announced he would not support S1 this year. This week he outlined the pieces in it that he can support and it would support and the pieces that he won't support. And uh, you know, on a wish list, there are some things that he can't support that uh, really disappoint me. He doesn't support no excuse absentee voting across the country. He, he does, uh, he, he, he he can't support getting rid of all forms of voter ID. Those two things are the big, and there's one more big thing that he doesn't support. He uh, doesn't support getting rid of voter roll purges in states. So there's three things that he doesn't support that really bum me out. He doesn't support absentee voting. He doesn't support um, the, the elimination of voter ID laws. 
and he doesn't support getting rid of voter roll purges. But on the, uh, as a note though, on the voter ID, he does want to offer alternative forms for voter ID. So he's not, he's not, uh, not given any wiggle room on that. He is, but what does he support? He supports 15 days of early voting in every state in the country. He supports an election day national holiday. He does support automatic voter registration practices in every state. Okay. He does support, um, having a consistent standard for, um, uh, for how it is that, um, you can communicate about elections. You cannot, it's, it, he'll make it a crime to communicate false information about elections, a tactic that's regularly used by the right. And then he supports, uh, elimination of partisan gerrymandering. This is all huge stuff. It's all huge. So let's just say that he supports 70% of what we want out of, out of the voting rights stuff in S1. He also has, S1 has a lot of things in it, and Manchin also supports the elimination of dark money organizations where you can't know who donated the money. This is all really good stuff. And I strongly believe that, that we can live with this as a step in the right direction. Is it everything? No, it is not the perfect. But is it good? It is way better than good. It is good, good. Okay? So let's not allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good here. In politics, you, you get as much done as you can and then you come back and push for more, okay? But, of course, Manchin can't, even if Manchin supports it, it's not gonna get past the Senate filibuster. So I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But the good news, but so the, the good second step here though is that Manchin's outlined a way forward. And Manchin, I wanna be really clear in my assessment of Manchin, Manchin doesn't just speak for himself. Manchin speaks as a lightning rod for a, a cluster of Democrats who um, who allow Manchin to take the heat for him, for them. Um, and he, he basically is the one who offers his criticisms and his, his arguments against getting rid of the filibuster criticisms of bills. Um, but he does that on behalf of him and also a few other Democrats who don't, don't want to come out publicly and take that heat. That is Kirsten Cinema from Arizona. I think also Maggie Hassan of uh, New Hampshire. Maybe Mark Kelly from Arizona, Jackie Rosen. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I know Jackie Rosen in, uh, in Nevada. The reality is that there are others out there that he, he stands in, um, in kind of their stead and takes the heat. So that's where Manchin's useful. He tells us where a key cluster of Democrats are at. Um, so he's, he's, he's endorsed what I'll call, or we'll call a compromise uh, on the Senate one bill, okay? Well, Nancy Pelosi yesterday did a press conference in which she said, I see, I see a way forward here for this legislation under the terms that Joe Manchin has outlined. I see a way forward. Stacey Abrams this morning endorsed this compromise and said, let's take this, let's do this, let's go for this. Um, and 
Manchin himself has said, I think we can get 10 Republican votes for this. That's ridiculous. There's no way that's going to happen. But Manchin needs to try. That's, that's his brand. That's his identity. Um, the reality is that he's, he's feeling the push. He's feeling the pressure. He is now publicly on the record for saying, I support these things and I will vote for these things. Okay. All right. The first crucial step to getting a bill passed in the Senate at this time around voting is to get the bill introduced. That's what Chuck Schumer is doing. The second crucial step is to get all of the Democrats in agreement on this bill. You get Joe Manchin's vote, you get Kirsten Sinema's vote then, and you'll get Maggie Hassan's vote, all right? This is, this is gonna be a crucial second step, all right? You can't even begin debate in the Senate on the bill unless you can get um, uh, the Democrats in support unanimously of the bill. The third step is gonna be what happens now that the bill has these dimensions or has these potential dimensions to it. Well, the, the Democrats will talk to Manchin, they'll all talk to each other, and they'll agree to, to introduce either the bill under, under terms that Manchin's supportive of, or to take the bill as it is currently thought about, but that there will be amendments allowed in the Senate, on the Senate floor. Um, if so, then we can get, um, we can move forward on, on a vote to debate the bill, a vote to debate the bill. All right. Um, well, this is where Republicans start to filibuster. Um, and my hope is that in this moment, as the Republicans, if Manchin doesn't get the 10 that he's thinking he can get, which we don't think he's going to get those 10, um, that the Republicans will have to take the floor and articulate why they won't even debate this bill, why they won't even consider it, why they won't even go to a vote on it. That's, that's what we want to see. We want to see them have to defend this position. And even if they do do that, go to the floor, defend the position, do it for days, the reality is that the pressure builds. The pressure builds on them, and the public sees their ludicrousness of refusing to support democracy. So these are good developments. Pelosi, Abrams, Manchin, Schumer. These are the Democrats that we are mobilizing for. Let's see where the Congressional Black Caucus comes out on this today. I'm sure they'll come out and, discuss, and uh, talk about it. Um, as I understand it, uh, Manchin has been talking to civil rights groups. Uh, he, I, oh, not, not just as I understand it, I know he had a meeting last week. It was a high-profile meeting with them. Um, I believe that Manchin is uh, making some moves here, and I believe that we're having some influence here. We will keep it up. We will keep pushing. We do not expect to win on S1. We do not, but it is part of the long arc of pushing of the push for the people, okay? We, we do it now because there's gonna be another bill, HR4, coming down the pike. We do it now because this is what's ahead, this is what's on the table. We can't, we can't worry about what comes next. We work for what is here now. This is here now. On Monday, I'm gonna be doing a lecture, it's a free lecture um, about, um, the Senate considerations of this legislation and HR 4 coming. And I'm gonna talk about how 
we approach the Senate uh, right now in the fight to vote. Uh, this is timed exactly to this moment. Uh, this might be exactly on the day that the bill is brought into consideration in the Senate and maybe the day that the Republicans filibuster it. Um, it's time for us to kind of take a little deeper dive in this. And we're going to look at the, the Senate through the lens of how you how you push to make progress on a bill, where the Democrats stand. And we're going to look at the Senate in the context of the 2022 elections. If the Democrats can win a few more seats in the Senate in 2022 and hold the House. And these are tall orders, but they are doable. They are doable things. If the Democrats can do that, then the Democrats can remove Joe Manchin and or a Kirsten Cinema as the key kind of people on in the caucus, the Democratic caucus, and get more stuff passed and possibly eliminate the filibuster. So we have to think about the Senate both now and what's coming. And we at Common Power are committed to this. The advocacy work is now and the voter field work is what's coming. We are putting into place um, the creation of our teams for our key states, and we are going to uh, be mobilized substantially. There are open Senate seats in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio. Uh, there's a decent chance there's gonna be open Senate seats in Wisconsin and Iowa. The reality is that there are seats and places that Democrats can gain seats. They also need to defend key elections in Georgia, Arizona, um, Nevada, New Hampshire with Maggie Hassan. All right. So we got our work cut out for us, but it is doable. Okay. It is doable. So I want to just say we keep up the work. Let's recognize some dawn on the horizon. It is beautiful days here in Seattle. Summer seems to have arrived this today for the coming days, lots of sun here. Let's see the daylight for what it is. Uh, there are tough moments all the way along the way, but there are also glimmers of possibility and we will be there standing in the gap doing the work. Um, I just want to use that analogy here to finish. So, uh, uh, Devoted fans of the podcast, that's a little joke on my part, but devoted fans of the podcast will know that I, I occasionally will reference a sports story. And um, last night, um, the Philadelphia 76ers National Basketball Association team entered the final quarter of their game against the Atlanta Hawks with a, about a 20-point lead. They had dominated the entire game. But in that last quarter, the Atlanta Hawks scrapped and fought and came up, made some strategic decisions. And they came all the way back in, in a game that was in Philadelphia. They came all the way back and won. Um, this young upstart Atlanta Hawks team beat a very, very good team, Philadelphia. That's why you play the game is because there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. There are moves to be made. There are developments to unfold. There is pressure to be brought. Um, we will show up. This is the fight to vote 2021. Join me, please, for the lecture on Monday. You can, you can register on Eventbrite. The lecture title is called All on the Line. Um, join me for that. Tell other folks. Come to it. 
join us in our phone banking work, in our calling of senators, uh, support this work. Let's go, folks. There is, there is a dawn and some daylight. Let's go.